0: As always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low-cost index fund? At the Norton Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. Investment Advisor services offered through Townsquare Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townsquare is not affiliated with any other named entity. Well, folks, I have some good news. Guess who's back? Back, back? Back again. Back, back, back. Tell a friend. Guess who's back? Yes, after almost a month, Dan and I are back together uh, in the same place at one time. Um, uh, we really appreciate uh, Miles and Andrew for jumping in, uh, filling in for either Dan or I. I hope, that, um, I hope that people missed us. I don't know if they did, but um nice to be back uh here with dan as always thanks so much to the norden group uh for supporting our our cute little podcast here um does it feel good to be back together dan
1: you know it's been a long time um it's been almost a month was it a month about yeah
0: it was about about i think three episodes, three episodes three episodes and again thank you too to Miles and Andrew for stepping in and being co-hosts.
1: Wasn't Miles just awesome?
0: Miles was great, man. I, I kind of worried. I was listening to Miles. I'm like, he's so much more likable than I am. He really like is. People, I won't. If I'm going to show up here again. I won't like, oh, argue I miss, with that. I miss, I miss Miles. Sure. <laughs> I miss the days when we had Miles. And then had it, was,
1: it was actually less intimidating doing the podcast with Miles than with you
0: well because thank you <laughs>
1: because he didn't really make fun of me so
0: well he should have next time miles is miles you can't be back on again until you're ready to make fun of Dan you're just not ready um <laughs> andrew did a good job as well a quick follow up because i was
1: surprised you were as nice to andrew as you were that was,
0: well you know i was kind of like a- andrew and i can argue over pretty much anything for pretty much any amount of time and i know that's not fun to listen to um you can ask our significant others and they'd confirm um Really quick to follow up, um, that last episode generated quite a bit of interest, lots of inquiries about what kind of rider am I and what kind of bike should I buy. Andrew and I have been working on a super nerdy resource that I'm really excited about. And I'm hoping within the month, I'll be able to, depending on how much I want to actually work during work hours, um, I'm hoping I'll be able to get that out um, to folks before too long. But Um, yeah. Thank you for the questions. One
1: thing to point out about that is this system is a system that Joe is developing. Yeah. This is, if you go to a
0: bike shop and ask for a class three cross country bike, they're going to give you a weird look. Like this is, (laughs) this is, this is for the, the idea here is like, To make it so that people who aren't bike literate can still make a good bike buying decision because it's, it's, it's a really fraught, difficult thing to do. And there's a lot of money involved. So I want to make it as easy as possible.
1: And who knows, maybe the system will take off and maybe it can be called the Joe system, the
0: Joe system. Should we call it the Joe system now? No. Well, um, uh, really quick, before we continue, there is bike news I want to touch on. The tour is still going on. Uh, Quick update, if you haven't been watching, it is still a head-to-head. I think Jonas and Poggy are nine seconds apart. They cannot drop each other. They are very evenly matched. Um, The tour could go either way. I have no idea what's going to happen. So keep watching. It's been really, really good this year. How
1: many stages have they done?
0: Uh, 15. Today was the 15th stage okay. out of 21. So we've got, we've got a rest day coming up. Um, there will be another time trial. Um, so really, they're kind of running out of opportunities to drop each other. I think if I had to guess at this point, I think Jonas will win from a long-range attack. If he keeps letting Pogachar get to the line, Jonas is never going to beat Pogacar to the line. pogachar has got a better sprint. But I think Jonas is a better diesel. So mm-hmm. if Jonas wants to win this, he needs to crack Pogacar and put five minutes into him or something if he, like Pogacar's just been eating away at this lead every, you know, taking bonus seconds here and there, beating him to the line Jonas still looks really good um, but but yeah I, I think he, he needs to he needs to really bust a move and and totally drop you know, Poggy on one of these long hot climbs, but watch the tour if you haven't, um, no significant cross country news um, I do have some local things to talk so about, so yeah, moving to the local stuff
1: okay so, yeah, I was, last week I wasn't here because I was in Pennsylvania for nationals. That was quite... Quite the, the experience, ex- huh? Yeah, it was quite the experience. We had, a, you know, on our way home, they had rain like I've never seen before. I guess they got like over... The county we were in had over seven inches of rain in just a few hours.
0: Referred to as a thousand-year rainstorm, right?
1: And I, like, driving our rented minivan back to the airport, I'm just kind of like, I hope we make it because like roads kept closing on our way and they kept delaying our flight. Our flight got delayed like five or six hours. We, we sat an hour on the tarmac and, um, yeah, it was quite the, uh, quite the adventure, but Pennsylvania was, was interesting. It was, it's
0: pretty different from Utah. It was
1: really different, um, really beautiful, but the heat and humidity was just almost unbearable
0: it's not the heat it's the humidity that gets you
1: it really is and i had i i don't know i just never really felt humidity like that before um i learned a lot i learned that yes ice vests are awesome Yep. Um, umbrellas are awesome um especially there a lot of people there had ice vests and, and umbrellas um the course there was surprisingly technical
0: yeah but like, like east coast technical which is a different we, we don't really get east coast technical trails in utah do we
1: you know we kind of do like really? it, it felt a lot like i would kind of compare it to kentucky lucky chicken
0: oh interesting Yeah, like, it was very like, different aesthetically but yeah
1: but it was um so like the course was was super steep like and, and a lot of the climbs were like super steep grass climbs And then the descent was fairly gradual, but super technical. Interesting. And so like, you know, but the thing is, you know, if this is like intimidating you from trying nationals next year, don't let it because like a lot of the bear kids, when they got to the technical parts, they would just almost like they're instructed to, they just hopped off their bikes and ran because it was flat enough that yeah you could run it just fine. You
0: have to remember the point in a bike race is to go as fast as possible. And in some cases that's fast as possible. Yeah. Right. In fact,
1: like, um, I mean, Chris Blevins wrote it beautifully. Um, uh, well, Riley, rides,
0: he rides everything beautifully.
1: Yeah. Riley Amos, ride It wrote it beautifully. But I, I mean, a lot of really good riders kind of struggled riding it. And I, like a lot of, a lot of kids just kind of like preemptively just picked up their bikes yep. ran, and that, that is one thing I did learn, that um, if you do have to run, pick up your bike. Don't, like, push your bike over the yeah. obstacles. Pick up your – because that's just, like, pushing back at you and giving you a lot of resistance and stuff. Right. The kids that were fastest would actually pick up their bike, like, yep. cyclocross yep. and run. And, you know, and so it made it pretty doable. You know, it wasn't
0: – It's only July, but – it's never too early for a plug to do some cyclocross. It's it's good for you. I
1: think it was very beneficial for the kids that have had some experience with running with their bikes. So, um, beautiful place. I'd say it's a beautiful place as long as you're in your car with the air conditioning on. Um, Um,
0: does that really mean it's a beautiful place? It was actually a
1: beautiful place. It was really fun. We had an awesome group there. I mean, you know, traveling that far flying makes it more difficult, but really, um, you know, I learned that like flying with a bike really isn't that hard. It's, you know, especially with like Delta makes it pretty easy. It's just as much as a normal checked bag. Um, I think the team's starting to get more and more bike bags that can kind of be shared and so forth, you know, um, thanks to those that let riders borrow theirs. Um, but yeah, super fun experience. We had like, we had Joe Cochran, Jamerson, Xander. Um, ben Bigwood had an awesome race. He got I like, heard that like I think eighteenth. Mm-hmm. Breaking the top twenty is is a huge deal. But what was more impressive about Ben is after we went to a pizza place, and they were serving these enormous pizzas. I can eat a lot. I ate two slices. Uh-huh. He ate an entire pizza.
0: Whoa! Which I think
1: is way more impressive than the eighteenth. Whoa! At Nationals.
0: Whoa! Really?
1: So that was. And Jamerson
0: but, not really quick. Jamerson is, is he racing in Columbia right he now? He is.
1: I was gonna get to that.
0: Oh okay. Did I jump the gun? I was but, I was looking at Instagram, I was like, I think I saw that. Yeah, post out on that yeah I was down gonna c I was
1: gonna get to that. But um Sorry to, Kyson, Kyson, was there, raced. Um Isaac had a great race. Yeah. Um, you know, just shout out to Isaac. That kid just he's just determined and yep. I don't I think he just wants to just loves to see how far he can go. You know, yeah. he's I don't think he's ego driven. I just think he's just a really determined
0: Show up, shut up, put the hammer down. Yeah. I he he's he's every bit the racer I wish I was. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. yes.
1: I, just so much motivation and determination, so way to go. Um it's it's a it's a tough nut to crack that U twenty three. Oh
0: yeah. That's a that's a hard transition. It really is. That's so. where most people I feel like drop out. Oh oh yeah. Yeah, the yeah. junior to U23 jump's a big one. It's you know? huge. Because a lot of folks get used to being near the front of the pack in, in U23 and then all of the well, sudden. Well, you have to start in, in, over. in junior and then. And yeah, then. your
1: junior points don't carry
0: over. You have to start right. over. And, and then you get into U23 and then get your teeth kicked in a little bit. Yeah, so. so, bravo to him.
1: Um, and then Kyson, uh, another shout out to him. He he went and did the Tahoe Trail 100, I guess, the week after Nationals. which Yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be tough. Good for you, and good I, I, you guys I guess he was sick; wasn't feeling too good, but
0: he did it. But he Who did cares? it. You know, so that's crazy, um,
1: man. Yeah, Jamerson's in the jungle somewhere in Colombia. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I've seen some of the pictures. That looks crazy. Um, but yeah, it's cool that he's out there representing. Is it.
0: this the first time a Maybird kit will have been raced? No, because no. we had in the very early days we had our, our French our French kid Remy did some races in France in a Maybird kit. Where Where else have we had international? neighborhood representation
1: I don't know but I do think it's cool that we you know that that a lot of kids are doing these kind of more unique races yeah. and um, I think that's awesome to kind of seek out some cool unique race like the Gibbons the Gibbons boys this weekend are doing one in um, in Sun Valley Oh, like really? The Galena Gr- Grinder or something like that hmm. I, I kind of stumbled that's on that that's what they called me in high school <laughs> um, but yeah so go find cool races and do them and represent us. I think that's yep. just so cool to have Maber kits at all kinds of different events. But um an, an, another shout out to Carter Buck who he did like a 100-mile ride this last weekend with over 13,000 feet of climbing. I saw that. It's like mostly on trails.
0: Pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, ouch. Um
1: yeah. we also had yesterday we had the cup, at Soldier Hollow, super mm-hmm. fun. Um it wasn't the best attended race, you know, it, which
0: is odd. I kind of wonder why I,
1: I kind of thought it would be really, really crowded because it sold her hollow, but I think it might be the temperatures
0: temperatures. I think people too, just coming off nationals coming off crusher. Like, yeah, that's you true. Know, I think a lot of folks are just, but
1: like, we had a great group and, and a lot of new, I, I met a lot of our riders that I hadn't met yet. And it was super fun, super good group out. Um, good old miles Baker walked away from his race. Uh, had a fantastic race showed up in really good form Dane Cowan won the varsity by a lot
0: which is which is impressive Varsity's yeah. that's, that's that's a big deal
1: that's a really big deal I mean they start my group before the varsity kids and um
0: which is funny I don't you know like <laughs> yeah
1: but I I got passed by a lot of them this time oh, yeah. it, was, it was but they were just going so fast it was awesome um I got a shout out uh Joe Reinhardt and Miles before my race they were they were looking for an umbrella for me because they wanted to to cover my head during the sweltering heat because I raced it like like our race like these this was a long race it was like two and a half hour race or something which is yeah. I mean that's almost a uh, like That's a getting marathon, into like, I would almost. call
0: that, that it is a marathon event, like technically. But before
1: they were, they were trying to find an umbrella to keep me cool while I was staging and, wow. and they couldn't find one. So the two of them ran out and had a t-shirt above my head that they spread out. And it, my goodness, it actually felt so good. So oh yeah. Love those guys. Thanks guys. Joe's, I ride with Joe with Skyline and man, if I had his energy, I would be... Oof. i'd be able to do a lot more stuff than i can do oh my gosh
0: i love that and i love i'll always say you know because like soldier Hollow was was my first ever mountain bike race it's where used to be the first nike race of every year and I, i love going there and i love watching kids race because watching kids especially young boys race mountain bikes is hilarious it's like the amount of energy and determination and like it's like watching a
1: lack of fear
0: oh yeah just rolling the dice and all kinds of stupid stuff it's yeah we
1: had lots of a good girl turn like our our girl writers represented us really well everyone did fantastic it was awesome fun group um yeah oh dawson's sister aspen fonger won the i saw the varsity girls which Again, big deal. Varsity yeah, category I cup, that's Love the Fongers. Good good friends of of, of our team you and had
0: Hayden out there too. Yeah, he had a great way. race. Yeah. yeah. Super good rider. One of my boys proud of hayden i don't know if hayden listens to this but shout out hayden
1: well i love hayden's responses to my strava polls i always look forward to (laughs) the kid's a genius so
0: he's a he's a smart guy but yeah i love love, we're right right in the middle of the right in the swing of the bike season here it's it's good so i'm probably missing
1: some some shout outs and some local stuff but that's just a few things what's going on if i if i miss anything let me know and we'll
0: really do let us know there's there's too many of you now we're we we are going to miss people so
1: again in. Yeah, go find cool, unique races to do and do them. I think that's just so awesome that, you know, the Gibbons are out doing that. And Jamerson, you know, I just want Maybird kits representing everywhere, you know. As just, long
0: as you're being cool and nice. Yeah. If you're being a douche, then wear someone else's kit. Exactly. Um, do you have, I know, Dan, that we have a meaty topic today. Do you have time for a quick quiz? Oh,
1: yeah, I do. But my brain's kind of mushy right now. So I right, won't right do not
0: right now. Right now. Right. So we, we, I, I'm going to do a quiz today. That is a, a bike history quiz um, There's enough news going on I thought about quizzing it I want to shake it up a little bit I want to test Because you've been riding bikes For what, what I'm sure feels to you Like a long time when did, you, when did you learn to ride a bike? When did you start riding mountain bikes? Oh boy Because you were born in like 1870s <laughs> something, Some, right? something like that
1: Something yeah. like that No, I was uh, It was
0: mainly in the 90s Okay So you came yeah. up in, in 90s cycling culture primarily yeah. Okay And that feels like a long time ago it's
1: In fact, I actually that bike of mine that I used to ride back in the nineties, yeah. Andrew's restored, and I I got on that thing. I'm like, oh my goodness, how, how? did we ride this on worse trails than?
0: Well, because we were at the Salt Lake Crit last night, and I were riding our bikes around. And I got off my Factor and hopped on that, and I was like, I think I'd rather do a mountain bike race on my Factor than your old Trek, like, yeah, you know. Um, and that's and, and really doing some research here, like that's a pretty recent bike. Um, and, and I, that's a good segue to my first question, Dan. When was the first bicycle invented? Do you want to give me a year? Oh, uh,
1: like... 1680.
0: 1680 is incorrect. That's... Nope. Nope. <laughs>
1: okay, just tell me what it is. So it was
0: 1817.
1: Okay, see, I was kind
0: of... I the hate first... it. Don't you hate it when you, like, have a, some really cool thing? And like, guess what? And then somebody guesses a crazier thing, and then your thing seems lame. Well, I was
1: thinking it was going to be, like... Because I'm like, maybe cavemen had some type of a bike. That no, they
0: this had. is this is defined as as a vehicle with two wheels. For a single, for a so single. I'm like, yeah, band.
1: if they got two rocks, like, and put like another rock on top of it, that, could be a. Bike.
0: <laughs> that would be a stack of rocks, Dan. <laughs> no, no, it was invented in Germany in 1817, which is crazy. Just put put that put that in perspective. If you were born on the day the Declaration of Independence was signed, you'd be 41 when the first bicycle was invented. Okay. Like it's I guess this that is, is old. this is an old an old invention first bicycle with pedals, I think is more interesting though okay first bicycle with pedals
1: nineteen ten
0: no eighteen fifty three so still very, very old okay. um, first ever documented bicycle race or official bicycle race.
1: 1920.
0: 1868. Whoa. No, 1920. By, cycling was a, was an old sport in the 1920s. Okay. I, this has been around forever. I first, did terrible. First ever um, uh, mountain bike.
1: Um, in probably in the 70s. Give me a year. 76.
0: 78. Okay. So when you were born, mountain bikes weren't a thing. Huh. That's kind of crazy yeah. to think about. Wow. Um, uh, first bicycle <laughs> suspension. <laughs> um...
1: Was it RockShox?
0: No, this is a trick question. In 1888, somebody oh. built a full suspension bicycle. Oh, okay. And there's a picture of it. I'll show you. It's crazy. Um, but no, like commercially available suspension came around in 1982. And I don't think it was RockShox. It was someone I'd never heard of. Hmm. Um, throw out first disc brakes. Um,
1: yeah. mm.
0: This is the most complicated one. There's several kay. different answers.
1: I would say... 2003
0: no so 1950 there were in the 50s people were 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 welding disc brakes onto their bikes the first commercially available disc brakes were 71 and the first hydraulic like modern mountain bike disc brakes came around in 1987 wow so but they were pretty niche they didn't i mean people were riding rim brakes into the 2000s you know Mm. um uh, almost done here first tubeless tires
1: Two thousand and three.
0: You're pretty close. So, so technically, nineteen twenty-eight. Somebody did patent a tubeless bicycle tire, but Mavic really kind of came out with mountain bike tubeless in nineteen ninety-nine. Um, and then the last one here is the first dropper post.
1: I'm going to say two thousand and three again.
0: No, no. Uh, nineteen eighty-four. Joe Breezer actually had. You no. could get a dropper post on those bikes. They we, they don't look like what we would consider dropper post, but it was it was a mechanism that did allow you to quickly lower your seat post in about three seconds so that you could get it down for, Mm. for descents. Um, The first dropper post that we would recognize was invented in 1998 by the kind shock people. So KS, they invented the modern dropper post. I didn't realize that. So crazy stuff. Like Mm. bicycling is an extremely old sport. It has been represented at every single Olympics since the modern Olympics has been around in the 1890s. Um, you know, like we're on what, 115th or something tour, something crazy like that. So, um, Hmm. really interesting. I'd never read much about that before.
1: I did pretty terrible.
0: You know, I did too though. If you would have given me all those, I would have missed every single one of those interesting stuff. Um, but we should move on because you have, you were saying to me before, uh, this episode while you were prepping that a lot of people go to med school for 10 years (laughs) to cover, even little bits of this topic we're, we're going to touch on something really really huge today and as always there's a disclaimer we're not we're not doctors we're going to try to cover this and make it digestible as we can but this is an extremely complicated well
1: it's yeah what we're talking about won't be complicated okay um,
0: but but it could be it could be yeah. it could we're be. not
1: smart enough to make this complicated no. so no 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 um in in this Today's topic, something I'm kind of surprised I haven't touched on yet because well we've it,
0: we've touched on it like every single episode in some it, ways. It's
1: probably something I should have like dedicated an episode to, to already like forever ago. I just haven't yet. And, and what made me decide to do it was was writing with one of our writers and they asked me a question. I'll get to that question in a second, but um, but yeah, we're talking about like just kind of understanding heart rate and mm. and why you wear a heart rate monitor and how to use your heart rate monitor and just kind of. That's kind of what we're talking about um and just understanding a little bit more because there are some some nuances and um takes a little bit more interpretation than than power and so forth but um so as I thought about it, I think there's there's three reasons why you would wear a heart rate monitor um the first one's for and we're gonna go through these in depth but um the first one's for pacing the second one is for comparison and the third one is is it's kind of can be like a warning light. Okay. So, so we'll we'll touch on those each as we go on, but I just first want to talk about like like what is our heart rate and what is a heartbeat and what what actually happens each time our heart beats is mind-blowing.
0: Well, this isn't really quick. So a bit of background in in my professional life right now, I work in physician staffing. And my specialty is cardiology, so I spend all day talking to cardiologists, and, and in, in doing that, I've learned a little bit about what they do, and different procedures and stuff that they do, and the heart is the coolest thing ever. I think the heart, in a lot of ways, is cooler than the brain. Like It is this really, really fascinating organ that like I, I, I'd like to think of myself as at least an average intelligence person getting anywhere above step zero and understanding the heart and how it works is crazy. Like the doctors I talk to every day are like the smartest people on earth. Like it's, it's a really fascinating field.
1: Oh, it's, it's so cool. And I've just, I honestly had so much fun just learning about this. In fact, this, the next little bit I'm going to go off is kind of a tangent, but I think it's an interesting tangent. So, um, so what happens each time your heart beats? So, so your heart is divided into four chambers. Okay, you've got your, and then you've got your upper section and your lower section. And the upper section is called the atrium, and that's the part that receives the blood. And the lower section is your ventricles, and that's the part that pumps out the blood. Okay, so what happens when, when your heart beats is your veins are going to return the oxygen-depleted blood to the heart, to the right atrium and then the right ventricle pumps that blood into the lungs where it gets like reoxygenated and then it returns the blood to the left atrium and then the blood is it it pumps out through the aorta throughout the entire body so you know so each time your heart beats it's it's doing that it's just kind of going in and out and getting so oxygen it's essentially
0: the organ that that pushes blood around the body, right, is its job.
1: Yeah, but it, it's it's first pushing it into the, the lungs where it gets right. oxygenated, and then it pushes it out into the body. And um, And it's, here's some, so I got, and this comes from, from PBS Nova. I just got some, they're just kind of some fun, interesting heart facts. I, I was a
0: nerdy kid who loved checking out Nova from the library <laughs> and watching I, <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> so... So it says your heart beats a hundred thousand times in one day and about 35 million times in a year. So can you imagine doing like a bicep curl a hundred thousand times in a day? No, you couldn't. Nope. Like you couldn't, but your heart can, um, during the average lifetime, the human heart will beat more than 2.5 billion times.
0: That's crazy.
1: Isn't that crazy? Wow. Um, so So picture this: picture squeezing a tennis ball. Okay, that's about how hard your heart has to squeeze to pump the blood. Yeah,
0: because blood's a pretty viscous. It's pretty thick. Yeah, it's pretty thick, and there's there's quite a lot of it. Like we're talking about moving, you know, something that's almost as thick as maple syrup through a pretty large space, constantly. And I think it's interesting too that like the heart's so critical. Like that's how we decide when someone's dead is when their heart stops beating. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, like. Of, of all the things that your body does, that is like the central function.
1: And according to PVS Nova, which who would question, Right. even at rest, the muscles of the heart work hard, twice as hard as the leg muscles of a person sprinting.
0: That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? That really, really is crazy.
1: Um, another interesting thing, the aorta, which is the largest artery in the body, is almost the, diamet- the, the diameter of a garden hose. Capillaries, on the other hand, are so small that it takes 10 of them to equal the thickness of a human hair.
0: Wow. Isn't that's it? really, really crazy. Really? Because I knew capillaries were small, but I kind of imagine them being like, yeah. maybe like a needle, like the thickness of a needle. But we're talking like like an order of magnitude smaller yeah, than that. Yeah, that's huh?
1: crazy. Um, wow. It is estimated that an athlete's heart can pump up to eight gallons of blood per minute. Wow. And Especially and during, during like intense a, a, exercise
0: and during what we do, that's it's got to be at least that, right? A yeah, gap per minute.
1: Um, so at rest, so at rest, our heart pumps about as much as like a, a kitchen faucet.
0: That's a huge that's a amount. Whoa, at rest, at rest, really I mean, like
1: think about like the pumps you use when you're filtering water, it just right, kinda, yeah, like yeah, like a kitchen faucet that pumps quite a bit at rest. Um, during exercise, it can be about six times that.
0: Six times that. Wow, that's so, crazy.
1: So the heart is just super cool. It's just, and the interesting thing about it is, is like it never gets to rest, like no. until you're dead, you are know? dead.
0: Well, I think we should point out is I think I am correct in saying that heart disease is the number one killer in the United States. Like that is the the number one cause of death in the United States is, is heart disease, right? And it's and
1: it's interesting that like like most muscles like. You have to rest them, you know, Right. like when they get tired.
0: Like you cannot ride your bike constantly for your whole entire life. Yeah. It's impossible.
1: And it's like the heart really doesn't rest. And in fact, what makes it stronger is exercise.
0: Right. Like, which is, which is almost kind of counterintuitive, right? That like somebody who takes it really easy on their heart is going to have heart problems. Well,
1: an interesting thing about that. This is totally a side note is, um, is really like people that exercise, even though like your heart rate increases while you exercise. People that exercise throughout their lifetime actually their heart beats less than someone that doesn't exercise because, like, right, because your resting heart rate so much. Longer. Yeah, when you exercise, it increases your or it decreases your resting heart rate, and you know even if you're like athletes they'll exercise, you know, a couple hours a day. Right. The rest of the time, the other
0: 22 hours of the day, if your heart's heart rate's beating even a little bit slower, that adds up over time. Yeah, though.
1: which actually, you know, improves longevity. So, Interesting. Yeah. So, exercise is good for the heart.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah, so yeah, hearts are super cool. Um so yeah, let's uh we'll just talk a little bit about like heart rate monitors because okay. that's something we as cyclists deal with and mm-hmm. um you know, let's maybe start off for those that that might be new listening to this podcast you know like why do cyclists wear heart rate monitors
0: the reason i did it first was because other cyclists did like yeah, that it, was literally the reason i went out and got one. i was like i guess and i would like i like there's that number i don't know what it means but well but there it is it actually
1: know. kind of looked cool you know when guys are like climbing they got hot they zip down their and jersey you see the heart and you heart monitor see the heart it looks kind of cool. Oh yeah. Like I remember like when I got one and I put it on, I could see the little LEDs blinking through my, underneath my Jersey. And I felt like bionic man or something. Iron
0: man, bionic man. (laughs) (laughs) You're from like a parallel universe where there's like different superheroes. I don't know. Famous. He has the power of wearing a heart rate monitor.
1: (laughs) So, but I would say for most people, the purpose of a a power meter,
0: different episode. (laughs) Go back and listen
1: to that one. That was pretty good, too. Um,
0: the purpose the, of a heart rate the monitor. The purpose of
1: a heart rate monitor is, is for most people, is for pacing. Right. You know, it kind of helps you know which zone right. you're in. So.
0: Because, like, you can't judge that very well. Like, there's a lot of times where I'm feeling like, oh, my gosh, I'm working. Sorry, I'm dying in my hurry. It's in, like, zone three. And we'll probably get on to what that can mean later on. And then mm-hmm. there's other times where I'm like... You know, oh I feel great, this is awesome. I'm feel I'm flying today and I'm like, oh wow, I'm in zone five, you know. So I think like that's the biggest thing for me is like especially in a race, you know, when you've got all the adrenaline pumping and everything, is you can look and have like an actual number and be like, This is how hard my system's working right now. Either this is sustainable or I can go a little harder than this, I should you know and and like you know, if you're riding up a hill and somebody attacks, maybe take a glance down at your heart rate monitor really quick and see where you're at, and then that maybe. can factor into your decision. If you know, do I go and chase right now, or am I going to blow up? Right?
1: Yeah, yeah, maybe, um, maybe. That's
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Can yeah, it's another. It's a useful number to have.
1: It really is. So. Again, for those that new are new, what like typically what you'll do is you'll you'll get your heart rate monitor. And heart rate monitors can... I mean, they're not that expensive. They're like 60, oh, 70 bucks. They
0: can be very affordable. Um,
1: and you don't actually have to have a bike computer to, to nope. use one. You can just pair it with your phone. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of free apps. You could pair it with your phone. Um, that would just record data that you could just look at later. Right. Um, but typically, you know, it, it, it sends a signal to your bike computer and you can kind of see where... What your heart rate is. Um, typically, what you'll do is, you know, you do like kind of a twenty-minute all-out threshold test to kind of find out what your threshold heart rate is, and then in like Training Peaks or Strava or Wahoo or all the different apps, you would enter your threshold heart rate or your max heart rate if you know it, um, and then there's some different formulas that'll kind of estimate your different zones, which kind of represent physiological areas that you're training at, but, um, you know, and then you can look at your computer and you can kind of see what zone you're in. Right. Um, if anyone needs help with any of that, just reach out, let me know. Right. We've done um, it.
0: We did an episode on zones, right?
1: Not really. Maybe not we should really. do Is that one.
0: another one of those topics is just so broad. It kind of comes into every episode. It kind of comes into everyone.
1: Cause I do have a favorite zone, which okay. we might shout out.
0: Here. <laughs> Let's name the zone, the zone, the <laughs> name the Pixar movie. Just kidding. So, Carry on.
1: Yeah. And and basically these zones are just kind of a percentage of that threshold heart rate. Right. Um, and I mentioned that usually it's kind of the average heart rate of a 20-minute t- time trial. For most people that I work with, I just kind of like almost look at ride data and training peaks will kind of help right. pick out your right, right, right. A, a threshold. You know, so I don't, they don't really actually test it. But anyhow. Um,
0: really quick heart rate is different person to person. You could have two identical people like that are the same speed, but one of them could have a heart rate that like they regularly get over 200 beats per minute. and Another person could rarely get over 160, right? Like this is, this is a personal thing. Like if you hear somebody saying, Oh, my heart rates at this, that really doesn't mean anything for you. Right.
1: That's actually a huge consideration because, um, there's, there's something genetically that will control your max heart rate. Right. Um, and we'll actually talk about it in just a second, but I've known athletes that are really, really fast that have a, a, a max heart rate of well over 200. Right. I've also known athletes that are really, really fast that have a max heart rate of 160.
0: Because I, I have I I have, have a friend in high school, before I understood heart rate well, who would regularly... He would hang out above 200 beats per minute in a race. And I was wondering, like, is he just going harder than me? Does he have this ability to go harder? And I realized, like, totally different, right? Like, those... Don't like if somebody says, "Oh, I'm going to be at this heart rate for intervals." That doesn't mean that's where you should be. This is a personal thing you have to test and figure out, right?
1: Oh yeah, and and if you look online, there's all these bogus formulas for like you take your age, age and minus whatever. Yeah, they are totally bogus. Don't even. Yeah. Don't even. You really kind of have to test it or, or field test it. You know, just kind of like keep track of your data and, and observe your, you know, like. Kind of observe what you've done to really know what yours is. You can't right. use a formula yep. to figure can't it out. Can't use formula.
0: Can't use someone else's. Yeah, because
1: yeah, it's a huge range. You know, like Joe said, some some people's max heart rate can be one, one sixty. Some can be well over two hundred. Yep. Um, it has a lot to do with with your pacemaking cells, and and you know, and it also has to do with the your stroke volume. You know, right. so that someone with a a lower heart rate can have a larger stroke volume. And, you know, someone with a higher heart rate can have a, a smaller stroke volume, but they could be able to produce about the same amount of power and go about the same speed, you know? Right. I mean, if you have a, a large stroke volume and a high heart rate, that would be yeah kind of ideal. I guess. That's kind of cool. But, yeah. But
0: so when we talk about good genetics, this is for, like, we've talked about that before that this is an element, right? Like this plays into, um, that's one of the things that we, did we mention that maybe?
1: No, um, I don't know, I don't but know that we did, but it really would only be a genetic gift if you have both.
0: Oh, interesting. Really? Okay. Yeah.
1: Like, um, a lot of times, and we'll, we'll talk more about this, but an overly high heart rate can, can be a problem if it's too high and you're not right, right, filling right. your ventricles completely before it pumps out and so right. forth. So, okay. uh, but yeah, yeah. It's something you kind of have to test to know and you, you know, and your zones are just kind of an estimated percentage of that. No, your heart rate actually um, follows lactate pretty well. So if you knew where your lactate thresholds are, you could, um, you could really figure out your zones well and, and, and associate a heart rate with those.
0: Really quick, is, if, if, if that's an unfamiliar term to a beginner cyclist, what, what is your lactate threshold? How do you figure that out?
1: Well, that, that's something you really have to kind of have tested in a lab. Um, there's two, and we've talked about these before, but there's one, there's a lower one which is essentially kind of at the, you know, basically at the upper end of zone two um, where, you know, there's basically just a bump in the amount of lactate that that's measured in your blood, and that's because you start recruiting some fast twitch muscle fibers at that point. And then the second one, the second threshold, is typically around your zone four where you start to produce more lactate than your body can consume and then you know, so you have a really high elevated amount of lactate in your blood. And that's that's kinda when you start going from um from hours to minutes kind of thing. Right, right, right. So um but, but you know, if you have that tested, there's a heart rate associated with that with that threshold that you can
0: That's a really good number to use. That's a
1: really good number to use and kind of base your zones off. But, um, so, so as far as pacing goes, I would say that heart rate's probably the third most useful method of pacing, but it is, it is very
0: important. That sounds like kind of a hot take to me. What, 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 what is your ranking for the most important?
1: So the third, I would say is heart rate. Okay. But actually after preparing this, I, I'm kind of changing my opinion a little bit. Okay. You know, I think there's some things I've kind of overlooked and maybe taken for granted a, a bit. The second is going to be power. Okay. And the first is obviously going to be your perceived exertion.
0: Right. Um, Ooh, I don't know if I'd agree with that. That's an interesting, that would be an interesting discussion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, and, and we'll kind of explain, but really power or heart rate are kind of useless without perceived exertion. That is true but you're not really good at pacing using perceived exertion unless you've used a power meter and monitored your heart rate.
0: Right. Like, like I was in a vacuum, I don't think perceived exertion is very good at all. Really. The the truth here is like, if you want to be a serious cyclist, like I don't want to go so far as to say that you have to have like power and heart rate, but that is probably the biggest material advantage you can have short of having a bicycle. I don't know. Maybe maybe I could qualify that, but it's a, it's a big old deal, you know?
1: Yeah. And I, I think that like, like I just kind of said, you know, I think once you have those things, you get a lot better at using your perceived exertion. Right. Um, you're just more informed of it, you know? Right, Right. Right. So, um, but you know, like, like heart rate, requires some interpretation we'll kind of like we'll go into that a little further power is just power it's super easy you know it's like you push hard on your cranks you spin them fast you look and it tells you how many watts you're doing there's this 400
0: watts is 400 watts
1: it's kind of it is what it is right you know heart rate it's not like you're really trying to get a higher heart rate when you're riding a bike that's not really your goal right you know and um you know, and in fact, we you know we kind of talked about like, like the max heart rate. That's something that really, really can't change or improve. I mean, a lot of people probably never hit theirs.
0: Yeah, that's true. Most people probably never really hit it, huh? Uh,
1: especially sedentary people. I mean, most cyclists probably have hit theirs at some point. But, I mean, normal people probably don't really know what it is or haven't really hit it or don't do anything that would cause them to hit it. Right. Um, but it's not something that training can really improve. Tapering can a little bit. Oh, really? Like, yeah, like when you're detraining or tapering, it can increase your maximum heart rate a little bit.
0: Interesting. But just
1: like 3 or 4%. It's not, not much. Not a huge
0: amount. Okay.
1: Yeah. So your your max heart rate kind of is what it is.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so like with heart rate, you know, it's kind of like you set your heart rate zones, and they essentially, the zones should stay the same pretty much all year. You don't really... You sh- you shouldn't really ever have to change them.
0: Right. Where, where what power does change? Zones you might want to change. Is power zones, zones, you have yeah. to change
1: all the time. Right. Um, but what, what is changing is the amount of work you're able to do at that given submaximal heart rate, you know, like um, that's going to improve, but the heart rate itself, you, you know, say your, your zone two is like, you know, 120, 130 beats a minute. That's probably kind of low. Maybe, I don't know, yeah. but, you know but you can do like you know you can do like 180 watts at that but then later you're still doing that same same heart rate but you can bump it up to like 200 watts or something right and
0: just conceptually like that like like if if you took me and an identical rider who weighed the same we're on the same bike we're going up the same hill at the same speed we will be producing the same power but if my clone is in way better shape than i am his heart rate might be lower than mine even though we're producing the same power going the same speed That's the distinction here, right? Which is kind of why power and heart rate, like... It's not like one is better than the other. They do two to, It's like it's like a hammer or a screwdriver better. It's like uh if are you are you trying to use a hammer or a screw like they're they're different complementary things and you should really probably have both.
1: So you 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 both weigh the same, both you're going the, the same. same speed.
0: But he he's in better shape than I am, right? We'll be producing the same power mathematically, like, like physically it's going to take the same amount of work to get us up the hill, but my system might be working a lot harder to produce that amount of energy to get me up the hill.
1: You know, and your heart rates could be totally different because one could have a larger stroke volume than the other I was
0: saying we're clones we have identical hearts but he's in better shape than I am this is a really convoluted example I was trying to yeah so
1: you know so so one would maybe have a higher perceived exertion than the other. Right.
0: Or, or how about this? Like me doing a climb in December versus July when my fitness is different, right? Like same gear, same equipment, same weight. The amount of work to get me up the hill is the same. But if I'm, I'm in really good shape in July versus December, my heart rate might be, might be higher. I'd be working my system harder, even though the power is going to be the same. Yeah. That's probably a better, the clone, the clone was a stretch.
1: Well, and and let's, let's kind of talk about that. The comparison of heart rate to power and heart rate to perceived exertion. It's, it's actually cause any of these things are almost useless in isolation. Like I right. think, I think power is kind of useless in isolation. Heart mm-hmm. rate is kind of useless in is, isolation. You really need to compare power to heart rate or power to perceived exertion or heart rate to perceived exertion or, or power
0: to heart, rate, power to heart yeah.
1: rate to really, to really have valuable information. Right. Um, so, so let's talk about real quick, um, you know, comparing heart rate to RPE. Okay. You know, that's, that's super valuable.
0: RPE really quick is what?
1: Of your rate of perceived exertion. Okay. It's kind of like, it's kind of how you're feeling. Okay. Um, and, and this will be super more, like way more important later in the conversation, but like, you know, y- you always need to compare how you feel versus what what you're doing. Like if you Mm -hmm. have a really, really high heart rate, but you feel okay, it's might not be a problem. Right. You know, um, if you have a really, really high heart rate and you feel like something's
0: wrong, then you're sitting on the couch and suddenly you have a really high and erratic heart rate. That's a problem. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and like, like comparing heart rate to power. Um, you know, if you start out a ride, and you know, say you start out a ride, and you're gonna you're gonna try to keep your heart rate at zone two. You know, four hours later, your power is gonna be way lower. Yeah, because you're tired. Right. You know, if you start out a ride and want to keep your power at zone two, and you keep the power at zone two for four hours. At the end of the ride, your heart rate's going to be higher.
0: Yeah, your heart rate's going to gradually climb yeah. over the course. Of and that. and that's
1: called like decoupling or cardiac drift. Um, right. It's an interesting metric to watch. Um, so, you know, and and kind of like we've talked about with power before, you know, like you could you could go out and be doing. You know, you could go out and you could feel really, really good on a ride. But then you come back and look, maybe you felt really, really good because you weren't putting down a whole lot of power. And I've had rides where I felt like garbage the whole time, and I come back and look and I had like power records all over the place. So it was right. like I felt like garbage because I was working really hard right, right, so, right.
0: And so. again, this is why those those th- those big three metrics, power heart rate, RPE are very limited in their usefulness on their own that you have to be having, I think at least two, ideally. You have three. to have
1: at least two. And I can't really, I was thinking about, it, I'm not really smart enough to know how to compare three at a time. Yeah. But like comparing two at a time is really, really insightful. Um, so So there's a lot of, like when you're using heart rate to pace your rides, there's a lot of considerations. Yes. Um, let's Let's kind of talk about, some of them. The first one to consider is that heart rate's really slow to respond. Right. You know, like power is instantaneous. Um and perceived exertion is actually pretty slow to respond to. Um, but power is instantaneous. So like like so so heart rate is is really pretty good for pacing like endurance type rides. Right. And it's even pretty good for pacing anything sub threshold. Mm-hmm. Um, what it's really, really bad at pacing is, is short efforts. Right. So like 30 my, probably my favorite workout, you cannot use heart rate to pace a
0: 30, like it, it does not, it doesn't work.
1: No, it doesn't work. And, and in fact, like I really don't even consider cause 30 thirties is something I will, it's a workout I will give people before I'll give them any other type of intervals because I kind of almost consider a threshold type workout Right. because you know, the, the workout, the, the effort's so short, your heart rate really never gets up to a quite to a VO two max type
0: level. Really quick. And 30 seconds on 30 seconds off. Yeah. If, that, if you're not familiar.
1: Yeah. And then your recovery is only 30 seconds. So your heart rate really never gets a chance to come down very far so it kind of just stays kinda, kinda
0: yo-yo maybe slightly yeah yo-yo
1: a little bit kind of right around the threshold but not area. in like a
0: useful way like you couldn't look at it and be like okay i'm, I'm you, going as hard as i should be
1: yeah you can't yeah you couldn't use your heart rate to pace that you really if you don't have a power meter you would just kind of use your rate of perceived exertion to pace right. those and you know and your heart rate would just kind of hover around a threshold range even though your your power going above it and below it the heart rate is just kind of Hovering there.
0: And when we say power is instantaneous, most of us, when we see power, we're seeing a three-second average because, like, if you just saw your raw power number all the time, it, it's super jumpy. So we use power smoothing with most bike computers where you can see, okay, over the last three seconds, I averaged 230 watts, right? With heart rate, like like you said, like when I was doing, I did a, I did a five-hour ride yesterday, and I'm like, this is a lot of climbing. I want to make sure I don't really go much above zone 3, 3.5 or whatever. Like, over the course of that two, three-hour-long climb I'm doing, that's a really useful number and power might actually be less useful there because power, like i'm riding snowbird right like if there's a really steep switchback that i'm going to need to get up there might just be like a 400 watt minimum to do that right but i know that if i'm looking at my graph i'm like okay look my heart rate really has stayed pretty close to the three 3.5 i'm pacing this correctly where if i was like man I'm i'm at heart rate zone 4.5 and i have been for the past 20 minutes that's i i have to back off right and like, like you're again, trying to
1: do a 5 hour ride at zone 3.5
0: well no okay i should I should explain that the we were we were climbing up little cottonwood and then we got to the big mountain trail mm-hmm. right that's a really steep difficult climb you can't do in zone 2 so i'm like i really need i want my heart rate to be as low as possible you're trying right? to keep it sub threshold exactly, exactly trying to keep it sub threshold um yeah like where where heart rate is like that's where heart rate comes you know like i i if i'm if i'm playing around in zone 5 if you have to to get up something some really steep you know if you have to do puke kill really quick on a ride probably not going to be able to keep it in the power zone there but like watching the heart for those big long efforts is where it becomes useful
1: absolutely you know and so it's really you know it's really good for zone 2 rides um the one thing is though you can't just use the heart rate to pace it you've you've got to use perceived exertion as well because because yes. we mentioned before you know like you can have a zone two ride where you keep the the pressure on the pedals and cadence really, really steady for the whole time. Or you could like smash on the pedals every once in a while. You can be bouncing between zone one and zone seven. Right. And your heart rate still might show that you're in zone two, but those are entirely different rides with a completely different lactate response. Right. You know, and, and ideally if you're doing a zone two ride, you really don't want elevated lactate because that interferes with your fat metabolism, which is part of the benefits of a zone two ride. So, um, so you really have to incorporate rate of perceived exertion with your heart rate to pace it. And um, Helena is the one that actually, I, I was riding with her group a while ago and she, she came to me, who by the way, she was nominated as, as um, the classiest Maybird rider along with Joe Cochran, if you guys remember. Yeah. I I think that's correct. Very, very deserving. Mm -hmm. But she was telling me, she's like, Hey Dan, you know, I tried to do a zone two ride by heart rate the other day and Mm. it was so hard (laughs) to keep it in the heart rate. It was really frustrating. I'm like, you know what? It is. It really is hard. So I want to talk about that just for a second about, um, you know, how to use a heart rate monitor to pace our zone two rides. And and the whole key really is when you're doing that, it mostly should be done by feel and occasionally be calibrated by checking your heart rate. Yeah. You know, but most of it, you should be trying to ride. So you feel like you're in your zone two. And when you feel like you're in zone two, just glance at your heart rate just to see if you are or not, you know? And I think the more you do that, the better you'll get. And if you have a power meter, you do the same thing. You know, you'd still most of your zone two ride. You don't, you shouldn't be like staring at your power meter, the entire zone two ride. Cause you're going to drive yourself crazy. Right. You know, but most of the time you should be going by feel and just use either your heart rate monitor or your power meter to just kind of calibrate it. So also along with pacing zone two rides with heart rate, another thing that that's super important to keep in mind. And this is something that I think, most high school riders kind of tend to get backwards is you actually want to pace your ride so that at the end of the ride your heart rate's a little higher than the beginning and let me explain why so we've talked before about you know when you do like a long endurance ride part of the benefit of that is as is you're riding for hours and hours your slow twitch muscles start to fatigue when they fatigue your type 2B or your middle twitch, your faster twitch fibers start kicking in and acting like slow twitch fibers and eventually kind of convert over to becoming more slow twitch, which is a huge adaptation that comes from doing long rides. Well, when when that happens, your heart rate actually increases when you start switching over to, to faster twitch muscles. And so if you just kept your heart rate locked in at... You know it, it like a, a zone two the entire time what would happen is your is your is your slow twitch muscles start to fatigue your heart rate's going to increase and but if you keep it at that same heart rate you're not going to really work hard enough to allow your fast twitch muscles to kick in when they're supposed to so um, like your
0: power is going to drop off.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, your power is going to talk
0: about this. Like it's an algebra equation. Like if this stays constant, this is going to drop, but if this goes up, then that might stay constant, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like if you keep your heart rate constant, your power's dropping. Right. But, um, your, your heart, you know, like when you're fast twitch, when your slow twitch muscles fatigue, that will, um, that will cause your heart rate to increase. And if you keep your heart rate at the same, you won't really be kicking on those middle twitch muscles as much as you should be. So what I'm basically trying to say is that on a longer ride, you want your heart rate to be slightly higher at the end than it is at the beginning. And I think most people start out like super hard. Like it's the opposite. Like they'll start out with a threshold type heart rate. and then they're so tired at the end they're just kind of barely turning over the pedals and then they're truly kind of in a zone two at the end which is kind of just the opposite of what it should be
0: so Uh, in a perfect world what you should shoot for is go like be mindful of your pacing on the front end be disciplined and then naturally over the course of the ride your heart rate's going to go up and that means that that adaptation and and that's okay because that that adaptation is happening where you're fast twitch fibers are turning into slow twitch fibers. Exactly. Right.
1: So, so basically on a long ride, when you're pacing it, you want to negative split the effort, right? You want to go, go easier on the start of the ride. And if your heart rate's higher at the end of the ride, that's okay.
0: Negative split. If you, if you're unfamiliar is, is that you're getting faster over time. Right. Yeah. So I've always said a mark of an impressive racer is somebody who is, who can negative split, right? Cause most of you, if you've done five or six Nike races in your life, I can almost guarantee that every single one of you barring some crash at the start or something had a really fast first lap an okay. Second lap and a garbage third lap, or at least that's how it was. It was for me, right? It's like that first lap you go out flying or whatever, and then you get slower. It's this. And you know, like when you have the discipline to be able to pace yourself, you're like, I'm going to do what I have to on the first lap to keep up. And then I'm going to attack here and we go easier. Like having that mindfulness is a higher level skill. That's going to allow you to get more out of your training. So when we said talk about negative splitting, like that's, conceptually just so people understand what that is
1: yeah so just remember when you're pacing these long rides you should pace it so you're kind of being conservative at the front but your effort should get greater as the ride goes on you right know, so and you'll get better benefit from the ride by by doing that so super important and something I think a lot of people aren't really doing very well especially the kids I ride with so, me
0: I'm totally guilty of this this yeah. is not a beginner problem this is a, a lot of people struggle with this I think
1: yeah so pacing your zone two rides um, mostly by perceived effort but you kind of use your heart rate and your power to check in every once in a while to see if you're right one thing I do want to remind you is this means like you're gonna have to go really easy on the climbs and go pretty hard on the flats right and Yeah. So, but yeah. Um, another aspect of heart rate that gets a little bit confusing is, is your heart rate can fluctuate from day to day. Right. And there's certain things that can cause your heart rate to be high. And there's certain things that can cause your heart rate to be low. And it's good away. It's good to be aware of these things and what kind of causes that. And and if you should adjust for it and so forth. So
0: I actually know one of these because I wear one of the whoop bands uh-huh. and I did, I did a big fat ride yesterday and it's, it's telling me today that like your resting heart rate's gone up because you're tired, right? Isn't that one of the things like if you're coming that's a, off a, that's big a effort. huge,
1: very important thing okay. to pay attention to. Okay. Look, I knew,
0: I knew, a you thing. knew something. Is this what you just feel like all the time? <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> now, So some of the things that are going to cause, going to affect your heart rate and and maybe cause it to be higher on some occasions and lower on other occasions. Some of those factors are one is going to be heat. Right. When it's hot, your blood your your blood is being sent closer to the surface of your skin to help you cool off and not so much to your working muscles. You're getting less blood to your working muscles. Your heart's going to beat faster to, to accommodate compensate, con- right? to compensate. <laughs> so, you know, if you're racing on a hot day and your heart rate's a little higher, that's so why. That's yeah. Okay. yeah hydration's huge. Um, if, you know, if you're dehydrated, your blood plasma volume drops and you have basically less blood to circulate. So your heart's going to pump faster to circulate what blood you have. So hydration is a major cause for your heart rate to increase. Um, you know, there's, there's also illness. Sometimes if you're coming down with something or you're sick, it can cause your, your heart rate to increase. Um, you know, if you see someone queued out on the trail, that can maybe cause your heart rate to increase. So
0: this is, and this is like an interesting thing for me. Is like, and this sounds really obvious, but like, if you ever like almost fall down or like trip, and then you feel that rush, like in your heart, it almost painful for a sec. Like you feel like your heart responds really, really quickly to something like that. But that's kind of like acute heart rate increase versus like we're talking about like like, but if, it, like no, if, but
1: that is a good point. I mean, okay. then that's that is stress, which is the next one I was getting to. Oh, okay. You know? um, stress is, is one of the major factors of why you would have a a higher heart rate one day than you would another day. Um, because what really, what, what basically controls how fast our heart beats is our autonomic nervous system. We've talked a little bit about that before, but that basically just means kind of our involuntary nervous system, you know, the fight or flight type thing. Um, so when we're stressed our sympathetic nervous system releases catecholamines which we've talked a little bit about before um epinephrine's one of them and these cause our heart rate to increase when we're stressed
0: and the idea is like evolutionarily there that like you have some kind of danger that you have to deal with and so your body starts giving it needs you to be the more alert aware it, right?
1: yeah okay Get, increases blood flow and so forth. Or like if,
0: if you're a kid and you get called to the principal's office, like your heart rate shoots up because there's some scary situation. Oh yeah. Like or if know. I like
1: if I had to give like a talk in like I hate doing Zoom meetings. I get so nervous when I'm right. doing Zoom meetings for some reason. Your heart rate's like going to be my heart high. rate's going to be like 100 beats a minute when you know my resting's like 60, and I'm not exercising. I'm just stressed.
0: So what are some, what, like on the opposite end, are there any things that can make your heart rate be not artificially low, but like un like anomalously low for some reason?
1: Well, so we, we do have the parasympathetic system, which is, which is what, you know, when we're relaxing it, 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 you know, it releases, it releases, um, acetylcholine to lower our heart rate. And that's when we kind of, kind of repair and digest, um, the the ultimate time for that is when you're asleep okay Uh, another thing about being asleep too is you're like lying down flat and it's a lot easier for your blood to circulate when you're laying down flat rather than when it's having to take it up and down. oh i guess that's true huh? yeah so to to answer your question sleep is probably the best way to i mean being low on sleep could greatly affect your heart rate and your resting heart rate um
0: but that would make it higher right yes so basically like there's a lot of situations where you can be like huh my heart rate seems unusually high and that can be heat stress uh, recovery whatever um but there, are there ever going to be times when you're like on the back like whoa my heart rate's really yeah. low and today. that's Does that ever happened yes
1: yes and that's when you're kind of in trouble okay so so your autonomic nervous system um you know the fight or flight thing the next stage is exhaustion And when you reach exhaustion, your autonomic nervous system, which kind of controls your heart rate, makes it faster or slower as it needs to be, it kind of gets worn out and just gives up. And so what happens is it keeps your resting heart rate really, really high, but your maximum heart rate, the heart rate you'd achieve during exercise, it's unusually low. So it's just kind of stays sort of in the center. And... And if you ever notice that, that you've got a high resting heart rate and you can't get your heart rate up during exercise, that means you need to, you need to
0: rest. Okay. Is that that's, like a critical, you've made a mistake, you need to rest or like, that's just a good benchmark for, okay, it's time, time for rest, but nothing to, is that like, a yeah, sign that's that you're not over training. No,
1: it's like early stages of overtraining. Okay. And it's, um, and if, if, and that's one of the cool things about monitoring your heart rate is you would notice that.
0: That's true. You would, you would have no idea with that RA monitor, huh?
1: I mean, you might feel like crap too or something. Well, the interesting thing is sometimes when people are in this, in this state, they can have amazing performances. Cause this is basically like, like peaking is kind of just the beginning of overtraining. Really. You're just kind of on the edge of that cliff there. And so sometimes like you might have just this amazing race where you're just faster that like just faster than you've ever been, but you, your heart rate never got very high. This could be a sign that you're on the doorstep of overtraining, and that you need to take a little bit of rest, take some time off, get some more sleep. Um, you know, so yeah, your resting heart rate and being able to get your heart rate high during exercise is is a really important warning light to overtraining. Uh, and one of the major reasons everyone should be monitoring their heart rate because, like, if they're starting to have trouble, you know, a coach could go back and look at some of the data they recorded notice that their heart rates resting heart rates high maximum heart rates or threshold heart rates are low and it's a, a really good warning light of overtraining one of the best so
0: because I have felt that a few times where I'm like whoa like I feel like crap and I'm having a really hard time getting my heart rate up like that is probably that you need, what that means yeah
1: probably need some sleep or you need you know it can also happen just because you're stressed out
0: okay you know? like if I had a really you're, stressful day at work and then I go try to ride
1: it could be, you know, it basically just means your autonomic nervous system is just exhausted.
0: And the most likely cause of that is is you've could, you've you've done a little too much and you need to rest.
1: You could have done too much training, too much life stress, too little sleep, you know.
0: Because life stress is really bad for your heart, like generally speaking, right? Isn't that a thing like people who have really stressful lives deal with stressful things as part of their everyday life, like have,
1: Oh yeah. Cause, uh, cause your increased blood pressure. You're, you've got a constantly, a chronically elevated heart rate. Um,
0: Like, our bodies really aren't designed to just deal with day-in, day-out significant levels of stress. No, I mean,
1: it's designed to have occasional stress and then recovery.
0: Because stress, like everything else, is something our bodies developed the ability to do to protect us, right? Yeah,
1: and and the right doses of it makes us stronger and faster and better and smarter. But if it's just constantly... Bombarding us without ever getting a rest—that's when, like, if your like, body just kind of if you're like
0: up. constantly worried about money and you're really unstable in your personal life and you're not sure where your next meal is coming from, like, that's really bad for your health. That's right? chronic,
1: and yeah, and you'll eventually just kind of burn up and wow, kind of almost just give up, you know. So wow, yeah, you—I mean, stress is beneficial if it's followed by recovery. So So I guess
0: this is probably a good time to point out that like, if you are in a period of life, you're like, if you're going to med school or something, or if you're, just had your first kid, like your body's already dealing with significant amounts of stress that will affect your performance on the bike. Right. Is that, is that too broad? Yeah.
1: So no, that's actually really cool. And it leads me into kind of like every time I, I do one of these, I always kind of have an epiphany and I had, a kind of interesting epiphany about heart rate monitors and monitoring heart rate, because I love using a power meter. It's so easy. You just right. look at it. It tells you how much power you're putting out. Yep. It doesn't take no a whole lies. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't have to like take all this heart rate and hydration. Why and am blood. I
0: producing 300 Watts? It doesn't matter. You're producing 300 Watts. Yeah.
1: Right? You know, so I kind of always favored power, you know, just cause it's easy and I'm not very smart, but like with, with heart rate, I didn't really like it because, well, you know, if you're dehydrated, you're, you're not really going to be doing, it's going to say you're, you're doing zone two, but you're really not because your heart rate's elevated or, you know, if you've had a bad day at work and you're stressed out, it's going to be saying you're doing zone three when you're really only doing zone two, you know, or whatever, you know, you've, and and I always thought that, that that kind of made it invalid, but then I got thinking, you know, really stress is stress. Right. And, and maybe if you are under a lot of stress, you shouldn't be pushing as hard as you would be if you weren't. Right. You know, and, and so it's so like basically, you know, a power meter, it measures the stress that your cranks are experiencing, you know.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: The heart rate monitor, it senses the stress that you're you are experiencing and some of that stress can be from exercise and a portion of that can be from just life stress you know which which makes it so like if you're under a lot of stress if you're monitoring your heart rate it might help you push at a more appropriate pace for that you know for your
0: circumstance for your current stress load all the information you can get is good as long as you know what to do with it right
1: So, yeah, so that was kind of my, yeah. So, so heart rate is extremely important because it does kind of take into account your, your, your current autonomic stress levels. Interesting. So, I thought that was, that was kind of interesting. So, it definitely is a good warning light, you know, that if, you know, it can prevent you from overtraining, it can, you know, it can kind of help you maybe ease up on days when you probably shouldn't push too hard because you're under a lot of life stress and so forth. Um, so, yeah, that's something I thought was interesting.
0: Now, really quick, I wonder how many more points you have, because I have a few, like, general broad questions, and I, I kind of want to save I'm, those for I'm, the end.
1: Okay, I've got, um, you know, I don't have a whole lot else to go over. The only okay. other thing, so, yeah, if you want to just ask some questions real quick.
0: Okay, because really quick, if, if somebody's wondering, okay, I'm sold, heart rate's important, like, what are the first steps? I think you should say both of us are getting a hurry from whoop bands right now. That we use like the Whoop app to get like life health updates or whatever, and then we connect them to our Garmin's and Wahoo's, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what do you, What are your thoughts about like monitoring your heart rate all the time, like we do? How necessary do you think that is? Do you think it's mostly important on the bike? What are your thoughts?
1: Well, I think it's important because I think monitoring your resting heart rate is crucial. Okay, I think everyone should just, you know, if you've got an Apple Watch or or something like that. Cause I only the, ask because
0: the only ways to actively constantly monitor your resting heart rate are pretty expensive.
1: Well, you can do it right when you wake up too. Okay. You know, you could just man, you know, well, as soon as you wake up before, you know, as long as you don't need to go to the bathroom or something, just kind of, you could take your pulse in bed before you get up and just kind of keep track of that. Um, I, I just think it's super important to monitor because it's kind of a, a really early warning sign that that you could be, Overtraining or need some help, need some rest. You know. So, another
0: Uh, thing I've I've heard thrown around is HRV, your heart rate variability. Is that a measurement that you have done any research on that you feel comfortable commenting? So should I click this?
1: (laughs) No, no. Actually, that's something we're going to do a whole different pod. It's it's really interesting. Okay. Um, it it gives you a similar, um, it's similar to just measuring your heart rate and so forth and your resting heart rate, but but a little more precise. Um, you can, you can glean a little more into your autonomic nervous state by that. But I thought that'd be something that be, we might just kind of deal with separately.
0: Okay. Okay. So um, keep, keep, keep your eyes out folks. That'll come shortly.
1: Yeah. I'm sure we'll need to talk about that soon. But,
0: and the last question I had for you and like, this is kind of a, I don't know, like, like a, a tricky one. Um, if somebody's listening to this right now and they want to start measuring heart rate, um, would you say like everyone should go out and have a heart rate band and watch? Like, what? How how big a deal is it if you are not monitoring your heart rate while you ride?
1: Well, it's, it's or, not. Is, should
0: everyone go out and spend a hundred bucks tonight if they haven't? Because, like we said, it's not nearly as expensive as power, but it's still money. Like.
1: I mean, they'll be fine. I mean, the the biggest thing, and this this could kind of lead to what I was going to talk to next is, again, you have to you have to combine heart rate with how you're feeling. Right. And, um, you know, if if you're fine, if you're healthy, if you've got if your pulse is generally low, your resting heart rate's low, you don't feel dizzy or weird on the you're not gonna you gonna be fine. I mean, I, I do think it's good, valuable data. And, and if you're going to, you know, if you're going to be a serious, you know, varsity or national level racer, it's, it's well worth the investment, but you know, if this is just something you do casually, you'll, you'll be fine. I mean, it's not
0: right, but, but really, so what you're saying there is like, if you are invested in your performance, it's cause like we also like we are like power, it's like power is super valuable data but it's expensive data like you you have to pay a lot to get a power meter like a heart rate monitor is pretty darn cheap yeah
1: i would get a heart rate monitor before a power meter okay um but i i think ultimately you should have i say all three but one of them's free
0: right and and i should say like from a gear perspective i'm thinking you could probably pull this off for 60 bucks yeah i've like and like you don't have to go out and buy a a wahoo or a garmin like those are fancy and they're expensive like you could like my first bike computer i think was 80 dollars
1: yeah, and and you can even like track it with an app on your phone. Like Strava probably even keeps track of your heart rate data and stuff. It does, yeah, for all your rides yeah. and stuff. So you can go back. and You see. can't look at it while you're riding, but you can go back after and see. Right. Oh, my heart rate right. was concerningly high, or didn't get high enough. You know, you could still go back and look at it. Um, yeah, it's sixty bucks. You kids are some of you guys are riding like ten thousand dollar bikes. You should be able yeah. to. Yeah.
0: So like basically, what we're saying here is like. You should have power if you're list if you're into cycling enough you to should listen have to rate. this, or you part your heart rate. You should have like if you're into cycling enough to listen to an hour and what are we at an hour and twelve minute long podcast, then you should have heart rate monitor.
1: Yeah. So, the the next and pretty much the last thing I wanted to talk about is just a little more about how like a heart rate monitor can be kind of a warning light if something's wrong. Um, I just I was I was at a a pro XCT race and we were in the feed zone and those feed zones are really exciting at those, you know, those UCI level races. very chaotic. And a rider comes through and he slams on his brakes. He gets in the feed zone and he's like, coach, my heart rate's 212. And the coach kind of looked a little confused. Like didn't, wasn't sure what to do. So he's like, the coach had him rest for a second and, and his heart rate went down and the kid went off and raced again, which Ooh. I thought was kind of an interesting thing because like, I don't really know who this kid was. I mean, he was from right. Iowa state or something and I don't know if he had any pre-existing conditions or something that, um, but the thing, the thing I wondered when he went through is I'm like, I wonder if that kid would have pulled out if he wasn't wearing a heart rate monitor. Right. You know, um, cause naturally in a race you're, you're stressed. Your heart rate's yeah. gonna be higher yeah. in a race than it's races is. hurt, they're scary, lots yeah. of stress. So you've got that stress on top of the 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 stress created from the actual racing itself. Um and and I'm like, you know, I wonder if he would have pulled over if he didn't have a heart rate monitor. Yeah. You know, and so that's why that's why, you know, if if your heart rate monitor reads something unusual, you know, you need to pay attention to how you feel. And if it reads something unusual and you're feeling like a pain in your neck or your tightness in your chest, or your or, arms. or a lot of unusual anxiety, or you've lightheaded, dizzy, something's off. Um, you you call the ambulance to come get you. Right, you, know, like you take using, it super super serious.
0: Because with this kid you mentioned, like if his max heart rate is two hundred and ten and he's hitting two hundred twelve, that might be slightly weird. If, if it's my one, heart rate hits two hundred and twelve, you call an ambulance because my the highest I've ever seen is like one eighty nine or something. Right. Yeah. Especially I think if you're for the parents listening to this, like this is, it's pretty rare for this stuff to affect.
1: And that's why I say it has to be unusual yeah. and you, but you also should, you would probably feel something too, along with that, like a lot of anxiety or, or lightheadedness or like you're going to pass we out. We say or,
0: probably not in every case. Um, We're not doctors. Yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer.
1: Yeah. But the other thing too, is like with your heart rate monitors, I've had erroneous readings all the time. Right. And like the other, like one time this winter before, I know I used to use a chest strap. Yeah. I'll talk about that in a sec, but, um, I put it on, I, I put on my chest strap and I hadn't started writing yet. And it said 110 beats a minute. Mm. I'm like, that's really high. Yeah. Cause my resting heart rates around 60. Right. I'm like, that's really high. Maybe I'm under a lot of stress, you know? And I, I, I'm like but I don't I feel fine yeah so I take my pulse and I took my pulse and it was like 60 right so obviously I'm assuming something was wrong with the right. connection or the bluetooth or the
0: well and chest straps and we will get to this yeah I'm sure or just like less active. like they, they give wacky readings more they can give wacky yeah.
1: I've um you know so I I didn't go to the emergency room I didn't right freak out about it you know and I've had my chest strap tell me my heart rate was 220 before right my maximum heart rate is like 170 I've right. got a pretty low maximum heart rate and I'm kind of like nope I feel fine okay, yeah yeah so I just kind of made the assumption that it was the equipment and but if it said 220 and I was having a panic attack or yeah I would go to the emergency room.
0: Yes, and and like, and like this is the standard disclaimer we'll give with all this. If you are unsure, talk to a doctor. Like, If, if
1: maybe, you're unsure, go to the emergency room.
0: Right. Well, Because that's what the
1: doctor is going to tell you. Yeah, I mean,
0: if you're unsure about a broad issue, go talk to your family practice doc. They might refer you to a cardiologist if you have a problem. If you are... And obviously use judgment. If you have any reason to think that you might be having a cardiac event, go to the emergency room, heart attacks, kill yeah. tons of people who think they're fine. So and do watch out.
1: So a lot of, there are some riders that do have higher heart rates, higher maximum heart rates. Um, a lot of these kids are really, really, really good athletes. Mm-hmm. If you are one of those that gets, gets, um, max heart rates above the 200s, I would go to like a sports med doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you could get into cardio. It's kind of hard to get into cardiologists. Yeah. Um, I would go into somebody and just get checked out just right. in case you're probably fine, but you may have an arrhythmia or something that you didn't know about. And, you know, it's, I've
0: heard a lot of cardiologists advocate for just people should be getting like some kind of heart check once in their life for like congenital issues. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. Like this is good. Just good. And as always with everything, use good judgment talk to doctors we are not doctors Um, we can tell you though that if you're monitoring your heart rate and you have a really weird reading and then that's accompanied by any reason to believe you might have a cardiac event
1: err on the side of going and getting it checked or you know or if it seems serious you know
0: go to the emergency room Yeah, yeah.
1: so yeah like you know we talked a little bit about heart rate straps and stuff they're usually pretty good I found that mine I don't really trust them until unless I'm sweating yeah yeah, I and I I know there's some kind of jellies and some conductive jellies or and stuff. This is you, gross.
0: I don't lick mine. Before I lick mine too. On, right? It's, like no one wants to say that, but like you, basically there has to be water so there's you can get the electrical yeah. uh, and it's connection. It, and it's
1: like until I get sweating, I don't. They're not really right. that accurate. And if I'm, if it's super windy and I'm not sweating, I get kind of bogus readings. Um, supposedly, like radio towers can interfere with them. Right. I've heard that your flapping clothes can. Yeah. Can I don't know. Yeah, I you know I just you know if if I am getting an unusual reading I will check my pulse. Right. I don't know if checking your pulse would find every problem that could be wrong with your heart. You know. But I think
0: the only thing that'll do is like if it's saying it's at two hundred and you don't feel like it's at two hundred and you check your pulse, like you can tell pretty quickly that you're not.
1: Yeah. But it, but you know if it was at two hundred and your in your heart rate's normally at one seventy, you would feel something in your you know. You right. feel like your heart was really now. quick,
0: and I, I know people are to get this. We keep talking about over 200. There are, again, there are people where that's totally normal. We're mostly saying, like, for us, where our max heart rate's 180, 170. For if, if your heart rate, if your max heart rate's 210, we're talking 250, right? Like, if you see some crazy, just something that's unusual for you. And then the other note I wanted to say is, like, I feel bad saying this because I don't want to be the guy that just goes and recommends the most expensive thing every single time. I've really liked my Whoop band. Me too. Um,
1: I haven't had erroneous. I haven't had one single erroneous heart. Like if I see it, I trust it on my whoop band. Well, the
0: thing is it just, it's like, and I would say like why who makes a wristband that you can use instead of a chest band do that. Like whoop is really expensive. Like we are obviously not sponsored by whoop because I will tell you that I think what they charge for their service is too much. Kind of crazy. But I've really liked having it, and it's so nice because I always just wear it, and then it just connects to my garment right? Because with a heart rate monitor, that's just another thing to keep track of. That you're always like at the trailhead, looking for your heart rate monitor, and then it's sometimes mine would either I'd, I had a problem where it would either restrict my breathing or fall off, right? Did you ever get that where it's like getting it to the right tightness? You was... don't have a
1: belly that holds it up.
0: Well, there uh. you go. All right, um, but yeah. So like, as far as like the actual practical, what to do here if you've got money and you can afford it whoops a great solution um if you're a kid on a shoestring budget can
1: like, you get a whoop but not have this pay for the service
0: no i think it all goes through the app i think
1: no but you can't just can buy you can't just buy whoop it and band. pair it with no your... you
0: subscribe to whoop and they send you a band hmm. i don't i don't i might be Maybe wrong we should
1: look into that because if you could just wear it and have it connect with your garmin yeah but at that point this...
0: like wahoo will sell you a wristband that's yeah. it just the same thing as a chest band but it's just your wrist
1: Which is Uh, interesting because I always thought chest bands were better, but my experience has been my whoop's been better than my chest
0: band, but really quick, cool tip. I just remembered Um, shop for bike computers on eBay. That's my latest tip because everyone has an old Garmin where they got the new one and then they want to offload the old one. Like any bike computer that's come out since about 2015 is going to be pretty great and have all of the connectivity that you need. Um, if you're on a shoestring, you go buy a Garmin edge 25, like the tiny little cube one, like Nino used that forever. You don't need a big fancy one. See, like a used Garmin chest straps, probably 15 bucks on eBay. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's pro Joe's pro tip. Well, thank you. Chop around there. You're welcome.
1: So just to kind of wrap things up, um, power is awesome. Power is easy to read. Power is easy to understand. It's awesome. Heart rate is also awesome. um, you, you can actually, and by kind of using the two together and comparing them, um, you can really get a good insight into your training performance. The nice thing about heart rate is that you can really kind of see inside and kind of see what your body's dealing with internally, which is extremely valuable. And, um, you know, use it to pace your rides, but again, perceived exertion is kind of the key and the the heart rate and power just kind of tune that up and on your long rides give it a try guys it's not that hard start out easy it won't kill you and then let your heart rate kind of creep up gradually and finish the ride stronger than when you started it I think that adds magic to the long rides it's something that I know very few people that have the discipline to do that
0: the searing eye contact you're making with me right now I feel very called out Dan
1: but um yeah
0: and that's as fun. always final disclaimer like talk to doctors about issues relating to your heart and I also say like take care of your heart like, your that's heart's the best. so
1: freaking awesome that's
0: like this is so morbid statistically it's the thing that's going to shorten your life the most if you're not taking care of it um riding that's probably the best sell on riding bikes is it'll add a decade to your life probably oh yeah yeah
1: and it'll make all those decades better
0: right more expensive because you're like <laughs> well i don't know I don't know. That's probably a toss-up. Anyway, uh, we really appreciate you guys listening. Um, one final exciting announcement. Um, if Amazon comes through, we will hopefully have new microphones next week. Um, we do want to invest in this podcast and make it a quality product. The microphones that we're using right now are bad. <laughs> so you you've probably heard over the past couple weeks, one of our voices will sound different, one of them will sound louder. I've been doing my best to edit around that, but it's difficult. Um, if all goes well, I'm hoping that next week our voices will sound more even and more clear. Uh, and, um, I'm very excited about that. So,
1: so what's the magic word,
0: the magic, word, I doubt
1: anyone's going to get to this if point. If
0: anyone gets it, oh my gosh, I'll Venmo you a dollar. If you can, everyone who gives me, who texts me with the magic passcode, uh, gets a dollar and today's magic passcode is Venmo. <laughs> If you text me Venmo and your Venmo handle, I will Venmo you a dollar. Okay? All righty, folks. Uh, We will be coming to you next week, hopefully with new mics. I will probably be $4 poorer is my guess. (laughs) And uh, everyone ride safe, and we will talk to you soon.